Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. We're doing good? Amen. Super awesome to be here. Uh, so much fun. Can you give it up for the worship team? Aren't they incredible? So cool. Yeah, there you go. I like it. This little uh, podium here has got a little wobble to it. A little shaky, shaky. We'll drop it, drop it. Be careful. Be careful. This is church. Uh, no, I'm super, super excited to be here. Uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor of New Life Church Midland. Uh, there's only a few very young people that got my joke about the podium, and that's totally fine. I, I, am, I am totally comfortable with my terrible jokes. Um, no, really, really uh, honored just to be here. It's such a privilege to, to, to get to come up and, and share with you occasionally. Keith is actually speaking uh, at my campus in Midland. And uh, How many of you are thankful for your pastor? Yeah, that was a loaded question. So, um, yeah, Keith's doing an incredible job. Keith and Adley both amazing. Um, yeah, some, some wild things. I just kind of wanted to share a little bit because I have some time, but I just wanted to share just some of the things that are happening in, in, in your, your, your sister church, family church, whatever you want to call it, down the road uh, in Midland, but, but God is breaking out regularly. Uh, it's been absolutely wild uh, not to, to freak you out and, and share something that you don't necessarily have context for, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we actually, uh, in one service, had a lady uh, on the second row fully manifest uh, a demon, that was, that was quite wild. They're like, I'm never going to that church. Hey, totally fine. There are things that we read on the Bi- in, in the Bible that are simply just bl- black or red letters. And you're like, that is so Bible. That is not right here. Uh, but we actually had a full thing happen. And uh, thank God she got free. It was super amazing. The peace of God. Yeah, so cool. Um, the peace of God literally just hit the room. And it was one of the, the sweetest things uh, she, she, it was, it was amazing that how the Lord orchestrated things. Uh, you know, I think sometimes God exposes us to things so that we might believe him more, right? Um, miracle, miracle signs and wonders that says that the, are, are for the unbeliever. And there are parts of every single one of us that has unbelief about certain things that the Lord wants to do. And so I think sometimes he imparts a miracle or a sign or a wonder. It was interesting that day I was walking and praying in the sanctuary and I said, Lord, I I had this strong sense and feeling in the sanctuary, in this one area of the sanctuary, that there was gonna be a moment for people to fall in love with the wonder and the awe of who God is. And then we have something like this happen and so the Lord beautifully walked people through what was happening in the room. It happened right in the middle of ministry time in this really quiet moment uh, as this, almost like this giant effort to, to make a, a, a scene or be a distraction. And the Lord literally just graciously helped uh, her get free while everyone else stayed engaged. We never made it out of worship the entire service. There were, there were first time guests in the room it's like, okay, as a pastor, you're like, all right, first time guest, the demon manifest. That's not necessarily what you're hoping for, um, unless God does it, and God did it. And I heard stories of people that they're like, it was our first time. It was the weirdest thing we've ever seen, but for whatever reason, we couldn't leave the room because the peace of God surpassed their ability to understand and he literally hovered and he literally laid himself in the room 
and we literally stayed in a place of, of worship for the, for the rest of the service last week uh, just to give you, I'm, I'm hoping that your faith gets stirred. That's really my intention in this. I'm hoping that I provoke something in you to say I, I just want more of God. Um, last week in our, in our service, first service, uh, I had this strong sense that there were people who walked into the room in pain. I didn't say if it was knees or ankles or whatever that was, but I knew that there were people that walked in the room with pain, but I also had a really strong awareness that it was healed during worship. And so I asked people to acknowledge this. If you walked into the room dealing with pain and you're not having any pain right now at all in your body, would you simply raise a hand? And multiple hands went up in the air. It was beautiful. No one, no one prayed specifically. No one laid hands on them. And so I said, here's what we're going to do. I want you to present the thing that you came in the room with if you need healing to the Lord in worship. And I believe that he's going to heal it as well. We went back into worship and probably 10 more hands were raised in the room of people. They got completely set free in their bodies just when the presence of God hit them in worship. It was beautiful. And so I was like, you know, this is a fantastic time for us to go for salvation. Nothing's been preached in this moment. This is how I came to the Lord. Nothing had been preached. I was just overwhelmed by the love of God in worship. Me standing in a place where God is so in the room that I had nothing, that the darkness in me was no match for the light of love that was surrounding me. And so I felt really strongly in this moment to actually ask, is there anyone in the room that just needs Jesus? And four or five hands instantly shot up in there saying, I just need him right now. And so I just want you to know that God is for you. Amen? And that God is not against you. And that the moment that you speak the name of Jesus, the moment that your heart is set upon him is the moment when he comes quickly. It's interesting, sometimes we have to wait for the Lord to do something suddenly. That's the frustrating part. But when he does it suddenly, he does it to the full. Amen? And so I'm just releasing today that God does something in you to the full. Amen? How many of you need God to do something to the full in you right now? You would just simply raise a hand. Yeah, I'm just gonna pray. Father, I ask you that in this room that you would do something right now to the full. You are a God who does exceedingly, abundantly above all that could be asked, thought, hoped, or even imagined. And I thank you, Father, that you know the things. Your word says in Matthew that you know the things that we need before we ask them. And every single hand that raised up, God, I, I'm just declaring that it was a, a moment of them to step out in faith to say, I am moving towards you, God. Now, I ask you, Father, that you would just move towards them in this moment. God, that you would fill them, that you would saturate them, you would cleanse them, you would restore joy into them, you would restore hope back into them that you would infuse them with energy from on high. Holy Spirit, will you come just for a moment and just touch them? Touch their marriage, Lord. Touch their identity. Reestablish them in who you say that they are just as Natalie was sharing a moment ago. God, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, that you would talk them into who they are according to who you say that they are.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just a moment, just a touch from you, Lord, changes everything. Thank you, Jesus. Now I, give us, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things that you just said, that we would hear them even after we leave this room, and that we would see the things that are being released in this room, that we would see them with our eyes, that when they look at themselves in the mirror, when they think about themselves, that they would actually see the man or the woman that you've put on the earth. That you would see, that they would see the man or the woman who is not a mistake. That they would see or that they would hear your voice say over them that this is my son or this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. I thank you, Father, for establishing them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So good. Can you get over for Jesus? He's good. Come on. He's worth celebrating. There we go. Amen. Um, yeah, I'm going to share. If you have a Bible, you can turn it to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Everybody good? Awesome. Two of you. It's the Lord. The Lord is just resting on you. I get it. I understand. 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I, I believe that Keith has been preaching some of this as well, uh, a series I'm calling Old School Jesus. Um, but we're going to share some more of this. Uh, so 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of, of, of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know that he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha said, asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied, olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every jar, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off what is left over. Such an incredible, interesting group of scriptures. And so uh, we're gonna dive into these, but I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to help us just one more time. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open us up, that you would give us revelation, speak to us through your word today guide us into truth, guide us into wisdom. Thank you for, for coming in a beautiful way. You're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you in the room would say uh, you find yourself sometimes in extremely awkward situations? Anybody find yourself in some weird spots? Uh, I have experienced my fair, fair share of awkward. Uh, there was the one time that I awkwardly was in a nail salon getting a pedicure and my shirt was off. That was really awkward. It's not supposed to happen. I was with my wife, so there's that. It wasn't one of those kind of places. Uh, that was really awkward. Um, mm -hmm. There was this one time when I was in a Rose's parking lot and I rear-ended a vehicle twice. <laughs> that was challenging. I hit him once and uh, he rolled forward. 
I popped the clutch and I hit him again just for good measure. So um, yeah, that was really awkward. There's this other time, this was really awkward. Uh, right when I got saved, wasn't, wasn't too, uh, too comfortable with church people because I wasn't churched very well growing up. Uh, we, we played flag football and so I decided that I was going to wear some Adidas pants, the kind that snap. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, there was this moment that was really awkward as I felt a breeze while I was running down the sideline. And I still had flags on but no pants on. So I've experienced uh, some awkward. Awkward is something that we deal with in life. And I think one of the things that I've learned is that sometimes people are really awkward with God. Sometimes we get really wigged out, kind of strange, and, and do some strange things when it comes to, to God. It's like, especially when it comes to what we can or what we can't ask for in prayer. We get really, really weirded out. I was thinking about a friend who was just sharing all of these really heavy, deep things that were going on in his life and in his marriage and his, his kids and his family, and I'm like, have you taken, have you taken any of this to, to the Lord in prayer? He's like, no, I, I actually haven't. You know, he's, he's, he's got so many things going on. Uh, he, I, just, I just didn't want to bother God with my little thing in comparison to the big things that happen around the world, and I'm like, you do know that he is not a moderate God, right? See, oftentimes I think people are awkward with the Lord because they ask moderately. We ask moderately in prayer for things, but God is a lavish God. He is a God that does over the top. He is that God that uh, is the kind of dad that wants you to have the best of the best and the best of everything. I mean, he literally paves the streets in gold. That should say something about the lavishness or the, the grand God that we serve. He is not a moderate God. And because of this, because there's no limit to God's supply, there is no limit to what God wants to and can do in your life. I'll say it one more time, just, so, just in case you get talked into believing it. Because there is no limit to God's supply, there are no limits to what God can and will do in your life. Amen? So we've been following Elisha, and Elijah anoints Elisha to kind of take his place as prophet. And if you flash back in the book of 2 Kings, you'll see that there was, uh, there was this moment when, when Elijah sees Elisha and he's plowing a field, but he's plowing with a 12th team of oxen. And uh, we, I, I talked about in Midland, I talked about just the, the, the foundational things of how this all links to Jesus and, and how the, the government, uh, Isaiah prophesied that the government would be laid upon uh, the shoulders of Jesus. And 12 is a number that represents perfect government in scripture. If you look at like even the book of Acts, in the early church, one of the first orders of business that they had to take care of was they had to replace Judas with someone else. So there was 12, then Judas did what he did, then there was 11. So they reestablished perfect government and then the Holy Spirit fell. And this is all just glimpses and looks unto Jesus. The whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is simply all about Jesus. And so Elisha, his ministry and his life was just this prophetic foreshadowing of things that were gonna come with Jesus. And in the story that we read just a moment ago, we find this lady in a, an interesting, desperate situation where things look very, very grim. I, I can imagine what this mom must have been feeling knowing that, that uh, a creditor was coming not to, 
to, to, to collect money, but to actually take her sons so that they would be sold into slavery so that she could pay her debt. This is looking really, really bad. And I don't know if you've ever been poor, but when you're, when you're poor and when you're broke, it doesn't take a whole lot to get you out of a bind. And so Elisha offers this woman some help in this moment. And, and in this, it's, it's such a picture of, of who God actually wants to be for us. He says this in 2 Kings. We're gonna read some of this a couple different times over. It says, and Elisha said to her, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors. As many as you can. There's no number, there's no limit. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flasks into the jars, setting each aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Very, very interesting thing here. He tells her, pour the, jo- pour, pour the oil, the olive oil from your flask into the containers. She knew how much olive oil that she had. And she sees how many containers have been, has been, have been gathered. And this is where uh, uh, she faced this, this test. The test is this, how many jars is too many for the Lord to fill? Will my flask really not stop pouring oil until every container is full and I'm completely out of containers? This woman, she didn't have the luxury that we have. She couldn't just open her Bible up to uh, Philippians 4.13 and see that it says, and, and my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. She just has to gather jars. And I, I think that the scripture is interesting. He says that I will supply all of your needs according to what? Your need? No, no, no. His riches. God is a God of many, many riches. And God's desire to bless you always goes beyond your need. I'm going to say it again because I don't know if some of you believe this. But we're, 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 we're coming into a place of belief. God's desire to bless you will always go beyond your need. He is the God of riches. I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you, if you really believe that God would fill every container that you brought him, at what point would you stop bringing containers? If you, if you really believe that God would pour out his love, that God would pour out his joy, that God would pour out his hope, that God would pour out his provision in your life, at what point would you stop bringing containers for him to fill? Would it be when you were able to pay off your debt and you would say, all right, that's enough for me, Lord? Or would it be when you were able to put your kids through college and you would say, all right, Lord, that's, that's plenty. Uh, I'm gonna let you actually give some to someone else. Would it be when you were able to retire? Would you stop bringing jars at that point? Do you really believe that God has more than enough for you? Do you really believe that he can provide for you and for everyone else? You ever prayed for favor parking? Come on. You ever been to Chick-fil-A and said, oh Lord Jesus, please don't let there be anybody in the line? Because that's when you know it's extra anointed. If you go to Chick-fil-A, it's anointed. If you go to Chick-fil-A and there's no one in line, it's double anointed. Double honor is due to Chick-fil-A when that happens. Just kidding. We We pray for things like this 
Sometimes we, we pray for things like this, but then there's other times like, but wait, should I be praying something like this? Because, I mean, after all, there are really, really big situations going on in the, in the world that I should be maybe praying for something different. As if to say that God's ability to meet my request or my desire for favor parking or for no line at Chick-fil-A diminishes his ability to heal somebody's cancer. We ask in moderation because we think that we serve a moderate God. We don't ask certain things because we think that it's actually taking away from his ability to do something else in someone else's life. Can I tell you, he can do both and then some. And he wants to. Do you really believe that God wants you to have more than enough is the second question. And that's a hard one. Okay, I believe that God, you have more than enough. But do I believe that God, you want me to have more than enough? Oh, I don't know. See, there's this thing that I did last week, and because I didn't do that other thing, and I said that one thing to that other person, I actually don't deserve more than enough. We've been talking about this, this thought of the law versus grace, and how the, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And that under the law, it was all according to what you could do or what you didn't do for God that made you approved. But under the grace of God, it was all through one man, Jesus, his, his obedience to the point of death on the cross, and the words, it is finished, and our belief in those three words, that we actually stand or sit into this place of being in right standing with the Father. It's two different things. And so if I believe that I haven't done good enough, then I will also believe that God doesn't want me to have more than enough. Well, bless them, Lord, but because I haven't done, I will figure out a way for me to be blessed. I'll work myself into blessing. Do I actually believe that God is okay with me being rich? Is it really his desire to meet all of my needs. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10, amplified version. It says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I love that, till it overflows. He came that you would have life, not just life, but life until it overflows. That's why he came. The point is this, is that because of Jesus, God will fill every area of our lives as long as we will rest and stop trying to fill them up ourselves. This is the works mentality I was talking about a moment ago. Here's what I've discovered about this. Many areas of our lives have already been filled with something. God comes knocks on the door. Is there space for me? No, no, no. There's not any space right now because I did this thing last week and now I'm working really hard to make sure that I'm justified before I even come back and ask you to forgive me. You ever, you ever slipped up and then prayed something like this? Uh, Lord, would you just restore me back in the relationship with you? The truth is, is that he never left you. Because the truth is that his character and nature doesn't know how to leave you nor forsake you. That's what the word says about God. We have these areas of our life where he, he, he can't get in because there's, there's something that's filling the space. Is there room for God in your marriage? Is there room for God in your parenting? Is there room in your job for God? 
Is there room in your finances for the Lord? And if not, what are they actually full of? Are they full of your good works or his good works? Are they full of your doing or his being? He's asking you, if you'll find yourself in this place of rest, I will fill you up in every single area of your life. Take a look at John chapter four, verses seven through 11. Uh, Super familiar scripture story that we all know. But it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Notice this. Jesus is actually, uh, he's offering this woman fulfillment, and she went straight natural. She instantly went, you have nothing to even draw water with. She instantly went into the natural the natural tendency of the human, and we do this often, we put more weight on the natural, how is this going to happen than the spiritual, God offering us fulfillment through living water. I'm gonna keep reading, she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never, uh, him, I'm sorry, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. What is Jesus saying here? And Jesus is saying to this woman that I am the thing that you're looking for. I am the answer to your marriage. I am the answer to your parenting, not a lack of nutrition in your kid's diet. Sorry, I'm hot on this topic right now. This thing where people are like, your kid's behavior and their outlast, their, 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 their crazy uh, temper tantrums are due to a lack of nutrients in their diet is crazy to me. Um, just parent them. Uh, but Jesus is saying, I am... <laughs> I'll get on this soapbox, it's like this tall. It's, it's, anyway, Jesus is saying though, I am what you're looking for. I can meet your need in this area. I'm the answer to your money problems, your parenting problems, your job problems. And he's saying, I am also the answer that never ever runs out. We all look for gratification, we look for satisfaction, and oftentimes when we're looking and setting out for satisfaction, we, we, we come to this place where we instantly, we get this instant gratification and it seems like that is as good as it's going to get. And that is the moment that we stopped bringing jars for him to fill up. He's saying, I am the answer that if you will keep bringing yourself, if you will keep living your life like this, I will keep pouring oil out into your life. I will keep pouring joy, I will keep pouring hope, I will keep pouring uh, belief, I will keep pouring faith, I will keep pouring blessing. If you will just come to me and receive all that I did for you on the cross, that is us bringing jars constantly to the Lord. He says you will never, ever, ever run out of jars. I am the answer, not not just to your problems, but I'm the answer that will never, ever, run out. Jesus is the lasting one. I'm going to close with this. 
It says that the prophet, Elisha, he, he, he gave this woman some interesting instructions. And, and he kind of lays down this moment of, of, of giant faith and it's time for her to spawn. He says uh, in, in 2 Kings 4, it says, so she did all that was told. I think one of the most interesting things about all of this is that she was obedient. A word that has escaped our Christian vocabulary. If our kids aren't obeying, it's probably because we're not obeying. And if you can't obey a man that you can see, you will not obey a God that you can't. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar. She said to one of her sons, there aren't any more, and he told her, uh, as he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what he had done, and what had happened, he said to her, uh, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left over. The truth is this, the woman had debt. And if she didn't, then obviously she wouldn't be in the position she's in. She wouldn't be facing this moment where her sons are gonna be taken and sold into slavery. Her husband is dead. Which means because he's dead and because she's in debt, they didn't handle their financial situation really well. This is the natural part of this story. They f the issue that they're having and the situation that they're in is actually their fault. But Jesus is not only the answer to your situation or the answer that lasts, but Jesus is big enough to get you out of the problem that you created. See, the law version of this says, I created this mess, and now I'm gonna work really hard to get myself out of this mess. The law version of this says, I'm the one that actually is in the middle of sin, and the only way that I'm going to get free is if I shake myself out of sin, if I, if I serve my way out of addiction, if I speak my way out of addiction, if I and you start moving into this place, I made this mess, and so I will work hard enough to get myself out of it. And Jesus is saying, will you just bring me your jar? Will you just present to me something that is empty, and in those moments it's us, so that I could fill you up? He's asking for your heart. He says if you'll just shift your belief system over, onto, I know that you did this, but you also have to remember that while you were still sinners, I died for you. This isn't the first time that you created a mess. And this isn't the first time that I redeemed you from a mess. And we think that, well, because I've been to this place over and over and over and over again, I'm getting further and further and further away from being able to ask God to actually come and help my situation. I've made such a mess of my relationship or I've made such a mess of my, my marriage or I've made such a mess of my kids that it is too far gone for me to go to the Lord. I now have to put it upon my own shoulders and I actually start carrying it in a way where I just deal with a burden and hopefully time will heal it. Time doesn't heal it. I heard Jason Valentin say, if time healed, then prisoners would be the most free people that walk the face of the earth because all they have is nothing but time. Jesus is saying, will you shift your belief onto what you can do and onto what I have done? And in this moment, I'll make sure 
that you have so much oil and continues to fill your house, to fill your heart, to fill you with joy. Grace can get you out of the hole with plenty for you to left, up, left over for you to move forward. I love that, that she didn't just sell the oil and then it erased her debt. I love that she sold the oil and then there was a bunch left for her and her family to live on. Can you please stop? Can we all stop praying prayers that are prayers that will you just get me by? This goes back to the awkwardness that we have with the Lord sometimes in our asking. Lord, would you just, would you just do enough so that the pain would stop? Not, would you do enough so that one, the pain would stop, but then I would actually have life till it overflows like you just promised me in John chapter 10, verse 10. We have to get into this place where we, where we ab- abandon the law mentality that says, because I did this, I deserve this. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I know what it says that you should get, but here's what I'm going to give you. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.